Recent events such as last year's mass Islamic demonstrations against former Jakarta Governor Basuki Chaya Purnama or Ahok and rising intolerance against religious and sexual minorities have raised concerns about the growing influence of more conservative brands of Islam in Indonesia. The popularities of radical firebrand clerics such as the Islamic Defender Front's Rizik Shihab have also led to questions about emerging personalities and new forms of religious authority in contemporary Indonesian Islam. Amidst these trends, mainstream moderate Islamic organizations such as Nadlatul Ulama and Muhammadiyah have been criticized for not speaking out enough against rising conservatism and radicalism. Are we seeing a new conservative turn in Indonesian Islam? If yes, then when exactly did this phenomenon start? Are we also seeing greater ideological polarization within Indonesia's Islamic institutions? What are some of the examples then of new Islamic organizations and what challenges do they pose to well-established Islamic organizations like NU and Muhammadiyah? I discussed these questions with Dr. Ahmad Najiburhani, a senior researcher at the Indonesian Institute of Sciences in Jakarta, and he is also currently a visiting fellow at ICS Yusuf Ishak Institute in Singapore. After receiving his PhD in Religious Studies from University of California, Santa Barbara, Dr. Burhani has been prolific in publishing journal articles, book chapters, and books on topics such as urban Sufism and studies on Muhammadiyah as one of Indonesia's largest Muslim organizations. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Burhani, for joining me here today. It's a, it's a real pleasure to have you. You're welcome. Um, so, Mas Najib, um, when we are thinking about uh, the growing influence of, of Islam in Indonesian mm. politics, most people, particularly those who don't really know the history of it, tend to think of it as a recent phenomenon, right? Yeah, While yeah. if we look at it from a historical point of view, actually Islam has always been influential in mm. Indonesian society, right? So I'm just hoping um, that you can give us a little bit of a historical background about the beginnings of, of the influence of Islam in modern Indonesian politics and you know the lead up to, to what we see mm. as the mm. phenomenon of the rising influence of um, religious leaders and organizations in Indonesia. Okay, I think you are right that uh, uh, it is not something sudden that happened just recently. We can uh, track back to the history of uh, uh, of the influence of Islam in Indonesia. At first, it cannot be, be denied that uh, because of the majority of the population of Indonesia, like uh, 87 percent are Muslim, so it is understandable that uh, perhaps some politicians or those who wanna run for like uh, government position in Indonesia, they will be like considering uh, Muslim votes during the election or during for instance, issuing certain programs or certain policy, uh, policies in, in the government. So from this point, uh, the number of Muslims is giving like um, a kind of attraction for some people in the, in the government right. to give attention or to pay attention to this uh, majority of the population. But if we are talking about the growing influence of Islam, the first question is perhaps what kind of Islam that we are talking about? Yeah. Uh, I can say that uh, perhaps uh, there are uh, three shifts of uh, Islamic in 
influence uh, in the government and in society. The first one is uh, perhaps we should go back to 1990s uh, yeah. uh, in which uh, uh, some scholars like uh, William Liddell call it as uh, Islamic turn. Yeah. Uh, at that time, during the last years of uh, Suharto's government... So we're, we're talking about sort of mid-1990s onwards. Yes, yeah. uh, mid-1990 onwards, yes. Uh, during the last years of uh, Suharto's government, he was like uh, trying to change uh, his policy from marginalizing Islam into adopting them into central government like uh, the establishment of uh, Ijmi, Indonesian intellectual, Muslim intellectual organization, the establishment of Bangu Amala, and also the appointment of some of the Muslim activists into his cabinet and also, um, for instance, the term of hijaunisasi, what yes. you call it in English, like greenization of the military. Yeah. That's, I think, one of the first step of the inclusion or, I mean, like uh, the influence of uh, political Islam and also the influence of Islam in general in the in Indonesian politics. Just just quickly for our readers mm. who might not be so familiar about that time period. Mm. So for for the longest time, for for decades, like you said before, Suharto mm. uh, placed uh, you know a, a political Islamic the political Islamic sphere to the margins, like mm. you said before. Mm. But like you said, the Islamic turn towards the end of his uh, his rule. Mm. Can you give us a bit of a background on why he decided to incorporate this so late in his in his power? I think this is for the purpose of uh, Suharto himself. I mean, after he uh, previously he relied on the support from the military, mm -hmm. but uh, then the military having like uh, starting to distrust him because of his uh, sons, uh, children that uh, growing like more greedier in terms of uh, like uh, having access to power and money and something and like that. business interests, yeah. Yes, so that Suharto um, trying to find a new partner that right. can be utilized to support his power and yeah. then the conservative Islam is uh, the, pot the potential one to be his partner and he utilized that one by like adopting the Muslim from this camp into his uh, uh, government. Okay, yeah. yeah. So what happened then after Suharto uh, fell in 1998 and it sort of ushered in a new era of um, of an unleashing, I guess, yes, of some yeah. of the more repressed factions of Islam yeah, um, in a new order? Previously we see that uh, the power of his political Islam were like suppressed by the government after the reformation, after the fall of Suharto in 1998, uh, then we can see the growing number of uh, Muslim organizations like uh, FBI, MME, even Hizbut Tahrir that was previously uh, moving as a clandestine movement uh, coming up to the public and then some of them like um, exerting and uh, demanding more share of Islam in managing the government and also asking the government to give like a kind of privilege to Muslim community uh, because of uh, the number of uh, of the Muslim in that country, and then actually it was not only the 
quote-unquote perhaps conservative Islam at that time that was growing, but also uh, the radical Islam was also growing with the number of bombing, yes. which was... Uh, I think which were occurred in several places yeah. like in Bali. The Jakarta, Jakarta Stock Exchange in yeah. Bali twice. Yeah, yeah. and I'm at yeah. JW Marriott. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but uh, I think the government at that time was able like to minimize the influence of radical Islam, but they cannot like stop the the influence of the conservative groups. Yes. Uh, what I mean by this one is this is what I call as the second phase of the influence of political Islam in the government starting 2005, perhaps until 2010. So around about the first SBY government. Yeah, 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 that's right. sorry, yes. Yeah, at that time, actually it has begun during like 2000 until 2005, like the growing number of the demand to implement uh, Sharia by law in several places in district and provinces in Indonesia. And then in 2005, I think the demand of this uh, conserv- uh, what, what is usually called by scholar like Van Purinesen as conservative turn is like uh, the more demand from some Muslim. For instance, we can see not only in terms of the demand to implement Sharia, but also uh, like the treatment to minorities like uh, Ahmadiyah, uh, Shia, and also Christian minorities in Indonesia was like uh, worse than before yes. uh, that, at that time. Uh, and also we can see that uh, the MUI, uh, Majlis Ulama Indonesia, was yes. issuing like uh, a fatwa on pluralism, liberalism, and uh, uh, secularism. It means that uh, the influence of conservative groups was not only in society, but also they can penetrate uh, like uh, government apparatus uh, yes. and also some leaders, Muslim leaders in Indonesia. And even we can see that during like uh, 2005 and 2010, uh, the Conservative Islam was also penetrating and influencing Muhammadiyah and Nahdlatul Ulama. Mm, yes. And then uh, perhaps after that one, uh, after 2010, I think there was a change again in terms of the way, like uh, what you call it, like the way political Islam performed themselves in the context of government. We can see, for instance, that uh, uh, this shift, some conservative groups were no longer using the same discourse as previously they used. So what was the previous discourse that they were For instance, they, they were like uh, anti-democracy, right. uh, like intending to reinsert seven deleted words uh, from Piagam Jakarta. Oh, right, yes. And also sometimes supporting violence. Uh, supporting caliphate and Islamic State and something like that. But uh, the, uh, this group, this conservative one, is like trying to, well, if possible, to establish Islamic State and also if possible to, uh, what you call it, like reinsert again the Piagam Jakarta, the seven deleted words and then also... Which is from the Declaration of mm, Independence. Yeah. yeah. But uh, in 2010, until perhaps now, there is a change in that uh, context. You know, like uh, 
uh, during the Aksi Bila Islam. Which is the anti-Ahok demonstrations yeah. last uh, year following the blasphemy allegations. Yes, yes. Uh, that's true. And during that time, I think they start, uh, I think it's already begin before that one, but at that time we can see a different topic mm. that they brought to the public. You see, that uh, they are trying to show to the public that instead of them, it is Ahok who, like, uh, or the ones who, who violated again yeah. against the Indonesian plurality and harmony and something like that because of his statement, etc. Yes. And also, instead of them, that against the, the diversity of Indonesia, it is the, those who attack them that are uh, showing. Uh, like against the diversity of Indonesia. They also stated that their action is uh, in line with Pancasila mm -hmm. and even they are showing to the people, people that they are peace lover, like proving that uh, organizing big, big rallies several times without having violence with uh, police, with people and also they are like uh, a type of middle class that they love something neat like uh, something clean so it's like two after the rallies you see they show to the people that they are that there is there was no trash and there is no grass that's like. so interesting there's so many things to unpack here uh, yeah. i want to ask you so many questions about it let me try to let me try to unpack a little bit so first yeah. of all uh, you mentioned before i'm, I'm interested in the timeline itself so mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned uh, you know in 2005 and mm -hmm. you know and particularly sort of around about the beginning you know mm -hmm. you said that it had been leading up to that but like the beginning of the susilo bambang you know um, mm. uh, presidency. So it seems like a lot of the uh, conservative turns that were happening, the change in narratives in mm. how um, uh, conservative factions within politi Indonesian political Islam begin to sort of mm. manifest themselves and, and, and present themselves in different mm. ways, mm. Um, happened during um, Yudhoyono's presidency. Mm. What do you think are some of the factors there that sort of contributed to this building momentum during then that then event, you know, eventually uh, lead us to sort of uh, the ability to appeal to wider uh, masses to the extent that they can mobilize such as last year during the um, anti-Ahok demonstrations? I think there is uh, uh, perhaps the factor of uh, the president itself. I mean, I mean like uh, he religiously i mean he's he is close to this kind of uh, the model of this religiousity perhaps also at that time the challenge and the and the moderate islam is not really checking this kind of movements so they can grow and then they can strongly influence the government and even uh, in some of the statement of the president was uh, like relying on MUI in the context of the religion. Indonesian um, ulama's um, organization sorry uh, sorry uh, ulama council Indonesian ulama council MUI yes yeah yeah, yeah. so that's one I think among the factor that give uh, strong influence of this uh, 
uh, of this of this growing of this conservative. Do you group. see external factors as well? Um, for instance, perhaps um, you know greater flow of scholars coming from uh, the Middle East, from you know from other countries coming into Indonesia during that time, or do you think it's sort of something that's a little bit more complex than, than of that? Of course, there is influence on that one, but the main factor is actually national one. Right. I mean that uh, the opportunity to show that one to the public and right. then to influence the government. I mean, after uh, SPY, for instance, when the government trying to stop them, then although there were there are some influences from Middle East, for instance, the influence is not really effective in the context of Indonesia. And mm. the reason why uh, some conservative group changing their strategy, quote-unquote, perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, is because the idea of selling uh, violent Islam is not accepted by people. And yeah. then the idea of like supporting the, uh, let's say, Islamic State is not, uh, is not accepted by people. Right. So they change the strategy mm -hmm. and adopting democracy. People like uh, Zaytun Rasmin was previously against uh, democracy, against Pancasila, but then accepting this one. Mm -hmm. But the meaning of democracy, the meaning of Pancasila, the meaning of NKRI perhaps need to be discussed. Uh, like uh, uh, FUI, Forum Umat Islam, under yeah. Al-Khattarat, is like uh, promoting what he called as NKRI Prasharia, Indonesian state uh, with Sharia. Yeah. So it's uh, uh, the uh, rhetoric is more adopting closer to the moderate Islam, but I don't know the intention, we don't know the uh, honesty of that uh, project, but uh, they are like uh, going to the middle with uh, conservative aspiration still with, with with that uh, community. Well, that's, um, that brings me to my next um, question regarding, mm. regarding uh, this fascinating phenomenon about, mm. um, you mentioned that the, they are starting to, you know, conservative mm. um, Islamic rhetoric is, is, is appealing to a whole new demographic, mm. a whole new crowd that, mm. it, you know, previously, would, you know, were not attracted to, to mm. sort of these kind of ideologies, such as mm. young, urban, mm. middle-class mm -hmm. uh, intellectual as mm. well, right? What's the attraction there, in your opinion? Why is it that you know, at, uh, in in contemporary Indonesia, this is uh, th this conservative turn is something that is attractive to to this to this new um, subscribers of this ideology? Oh yeah, that one is uh, one of the factor of that one. I think uh, there is important change in the way uh, they practice the religion. I mean, if uh, previously what we called as uh, conservatism is identical with uh, something outdated, mm -hmm. something in the past, yeah. something that uh, young people do not like it. Uh, mm -hmm. But now, what we called as uh, conservatism is adopting and transforming themselves into a kind of pop culture. Yes. So if, uh, for instance, I give you an example, uh, in terms of hijab or jilbab, uh, instead of seeing this one as like, uh, uh, what you call it, like... Uh, Something that older women wear. Yes, and also like uh, 
uh, what you call it, like making female women cannot move everywhere. Uh, restricting. Or yes. Restricting them. Uh, they make it as a, a kind of a new something trendy. Yeah, and something trendy. Yeah. Uh, beautiful, something like uh, for educated uh, middle class Muslim. Very uh, Instagrammable. Is... Now there are um, hijab wearing celebrities on Instagram. Yeah. There are yeah. millions of followers. So it's not only, so it's transforming something from old meaning into a new one. And also there are several kind of, uh, let's say, uh, practices like, you know, uh, pilgrimage. It's become identity for someone to be religious, trendy, and also like uh, having fun, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, this one is also in, in some other religious ritual. So it's like transformation from conservatism into a kind of pop so culture. Mainstream um, manifestations mm. of, of, I guess, more, yeah, more conservative mm. ways to identify. And also this one, I think, among uh, the impact of the challenge from some other group, you know, like... Um, this is the not the only uh, face of Islam in Indonesia, yes. the conservative one. There are some other groups, uh, including the moderate and also the liberal one. That's right. And yes. these two groups are challenging this uh, conservative one, mm -hmm. like, uh, for instance, debunking the idea of caliphate, uh, debunking the idea of Islamic State, and then and always like attacking, uh, opposing this conservative with the idea of violence, anti-Panchasila. So because of this kind of uh, contestation, so they change, uh, not using the old one, but transforming into something different right now. And then this one is more perhaps acceptable to young people in Indonesia. Well, you mentioned before that, you know, in your opinion, some of the reasons why, uh, I guess, the more conservative factions mm. um, managed to gain momentum in the mm. last 10 years has mm. also been because, you know, the, the moderate Muslims mm. that, you know, I guess, dominated the, Indone the Indonesian Islam political mm. sphere for so long, maybe became complacent. They, they didn't really pay attention to, to to the to the growing influence of um, of the conservatives, and it, it sounds to me mm, mm. Um, that there there seems to be like a growing polarization here mm, um, mm. in um, in in the Islamic political sphere. Would you would you say so? Like you mentioned before, that there are different factions now. Uh, well, we can say that um, uh, previously we know only organization like. Uh, NU, Nahdlatul Ulama, Muhammadiyah, Persis, uh, Nahdlatul Waton in West Nusa Tenggara, and then Al Wasliyah, and other organization uh, like Al Irshad in Arab community. But uh, uh, most of them are homegrown uh, Muslim organization. But now, after the reformasi, up until now, I think, we can see a number of uh, new organizations, like uh, Hizbut Tahrir, uh, although it's already banned, mm -hmm. FBI, yes. and Majlis Mujahideen Indonesia, Jami'ah uh, Ansaru Tauhid, Majlis Tafsir Al-Quran, and also some transnational movement, like uh, Ahmadiyah, and also Shia. And they are all like competing uh, to gain like uh, 
what you call it, perhaps not support, but to gain followers yes. among the community. And as uh, you said, uh, like within the NU and Muhammadiyah, there are also some factions that also competing to change the very face of this uh, organization. And uh, if the question is whether the authority or the power of uh, the domination, the hegemony of NU and Muhammadiyah, the moderate group is uh, declining, perhaps we, we can say that uh, uh, the contestation is not similar to the previous one. There are some new authorities that challenging the old authorities in Islam to talk about religion. But uh, as you know that uh, in Sunni Islam, authority is never monolithic. It's, there is no system of synod or yes. system similar to church where yeah. there is a hierarchy. Like a papacy and, or a, yeah, you know, like a holy, like holy figure. Yeah, yeah that's why like, uh, although someone without a strong religious education and just come up, come up recently through social media or television, they can challenge like the high bro ulama right. and also uh, Ahmad Shafi'i Ma'arib who start uh, like uh, Felix Xiao He's, um, he he proclaims himself, of course, as Ustad Gaul or the or the trendy or yeah. the trendy Ustad on social media. Yeah, and also Abdullah Gymnastia yes. and Arifin Ilham Yusuf Mansur. They all like a new power in terms of authority. They mm. challenge the old one, mm. and unfortunately, or fortunately, depend on from where you will see this one. Yes, they have. A huge number of followers in social media, television, and more attractive to young people, more attractive to. They're very savvy, aren't they, in terms yeah. of like utilize, knowing how to how to market. Market is a very uh, you know cynical word for it, but market themselves yes, to, to yeah. a, a new yeah. audience. Yeah, that's why that's uh, uh, if we are talking about knowledge, perhaps they are less knowledgeable. On Islam than the old one, but they have more followers. Like since they have uh, the authority to talk about Islam, and what you call it, this one is like uh, if we were, we had only an U Muhammadiyah last time. Now, an U and Muhammadiyah is not the only source of Islam. It's not uh, perhaps in positive way we can say that it's kind of democratizing authority in Islam, right. but it is also easily can be manipulated, uh, can be used for political interest yes. and then for political, to support political Islam and something like that. Well, that actually um, leads to what I wanted to ask you next as well. I mean, like, mm. there are some really concrete ways that we mm. can we can, as researchers, gauge um, you know the 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 extent of the influence of mm. not just political Islam but like conservative factions within political Islam. Mm. You know, we've got the um, upcoming rounds of election coming up. You know, mm. we've got the regional elections in June this mm. year, and then of course next year we've got um, the same day legislative mm. and presidential elections. Mm. Um, not only so far um, have we um, 
you know, even you know, you mentioned mm. before um, Abdullah Jimastiad, he was mm. thinking about running himself mm. in mm. West Java as a gubernatorial candidate. So mm. obviously, some of these um, newer uh, figures mm. um, have political aspirations. Mm. Um, I was wondering whether you can comment on trends going forward in terms of electoral politics. Mm. What sort of influence do you think um, mm. sort of current um, religious authorities in mm. Indonesian Islam, mm. uh, what sort of role and influence do you see them playing in the mm. next elections coming up? Mm. You know, like I'm interested in that point. I mean, when you mentioned about Aakib uh, wanna like run for uh, what? West like, Java. West Java and something like that. I think if uh, someone like uh, young artists can run for a governor or for uh, what you call it, mayor in mm. some district and they they are successful in getting that position it is very possible someone with uh, that popularity like Akim with a number of followers uh, with uh, many people know him to get like uh, uh, to to be elected as a governor or he didn't end up running of course but maybe in the future who knows yeah 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 and uh, of course uh, people you know like uh, having a rational choice during the election if we cannot compare this uh, one with the case of Ahok I think I believe because uh, uh, the Ahok case is a bit outlier from the yes. general trend in Indonesia yes. I mean if um, uh, the contest is between one candidate, Muslim candidate, and another Muslim candidate. Uh, uh, sometimes they try to use, uh, what you call it, like the issue of manipulate uh, the mm -hmm. issue of religion. But yeah. I think it's not as successful as uh, like during the election in DKI Jakarta. Yes. I mean Jakarta. Because uh, the use of religion to manipulate people uh, I mean, uh, it's a bit difficult in this context. As as long as someone do not have what you call it like a grave mistake, a quote and quote something like that, yes. uh, perceived by people. I yeah. don't know what is the meaning of that one. But if if not accept, uh, if not having that kind of sins uh, like uh, that one, I think people is not. Uh, voting based, based on religion. Right. But, yeah. I don't think this factor of religion would be effective in attracting people to vote them. Uh, and also, you know, like the case of uh, after uh, Jakarta election, the power of this conservative group seems to be declining. You mentioned before uh, that uh, yourself and another mm. researcher here from ICS Yusufishak mm. Institute, Dr. Noor Shalir Saad, you will be hosting a conference here um, yeah, at the Institute yeah. on the 4th of July? Uh, uh, 3rd and 4th 3rd and 4th of yes. July. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you will be discussing about during yeah, that conference? We'll, we want to like uh, discuss several issues related to contestation, fragmentation of authority in Indonesia and that the question whether the NU and Muhammadiyah, the domination of these two organizations are uh, like uh, declining right now because of the challenge of this organization and also the role of this new celebrity preacher using the media, social media, television uh, in challenging the old one, the uh, more uh, 
the old clergy in Islam are very efficient in influencing people and directing them to certain character of Islam that perhaps different from the NU and Muhammadiyah and something like that and also how is uh, the perception the authority of Islam perceived on the issues on the controversial issues like uh, LGBT minority I think this is uh, very important to see the future of Indonesia to which direction actually a religion Indonesia would be going, going towards, to, yeah. yeah going toward I mean because of uh, a competition of authorities uh, in society looking forward to it and um, Dr. Ahmad Najib Burhani thank you very much for joining me for today's show it's thank been a pleasure thank you that was Dr. Ahmad Najib Burhani senior researcher at Indonesian Institute of Sciences in Jakarta and visiting fellow in the Indonesia Studies Program at ICS Yusuf Ishak Institute in Singapore. Talking Indonesia will return on the 26th of April. Remember, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast archive at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog, subscribe via iTunes so you'll never miss an episode, or find us via your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast. Bye for now.